0: Special technique. Special <laughs> technique of shadow boxing.
1: You are here live, and this is the Sunday, April twenty eighth, two 2019 edition of the Boxing Source radio show. I am your host, James Bell, the leader of the Boxing Source and social media. You can go on Facebook and find the Boxing Source page. You also have an Instagram uh, profile. You can also catch videos on the Boxing Source on YouTube, and you can follow us on Twitter at Boxing Source 2. Number to dial in is 347 237 5539. Once again, 347 237 5539. Press the one key to get on cue, and you'll be able to talk live on the show. Um, we have like a pretty um, packed show uh, here in uh, this particular edition of the Boxing Source Radio Show as there was a lot of action uh, that did take place over the weekend, and uh, we may uh, see if we could have additional bonus uh, here in this particular version of the show, so be on the lookout for that. Um, You know, we had, like, a lot of activity uh, going on in the boxing ring in various places, um, Friday night and Saturday night. So we're going to be covering all of that. Plus, we want to get into additional news and notes uh, that uh, went down over the week, and you'll get uh, my insight on uh, what happened uh, with some of the dudes that did take place over the course of the week. But we want to get uh, right into – the uh, highlights of sorts uh, that happened over the course of the weekend. I uh, we had something going down over on Friday night. Is the forum in Inglewood that was uh, you know headlined by the WBC Super Flyweight Championship fight um, between Sor Rungvisai and. Juan Francisco Estrada, uh, but you know we also had a unification fight that did take place in the super bantamweight division, as Daniel Ramon and T.J. uh fought each other for the IBF and WBA super bantamweight championships, and just wanted to you know get into uh, those particular fights, starting off with that unification fight between Daniel Ramon and T.J. Donahue, uh for those super Bantamweight championships, uh you had of course Daniel Ramon as the w b a uh champion he was you know able to uh get that particular version of the title back in two thousand and seventeen, and he has had uh, multiple uh defenses of that title uh getting wins over the likes of Moises Flores and uh Gavin Mcdonald. Uh, before taking on T.J. Donahue uh, there, who came in as the IBF Supermanweight Champion, uh, came in there with a record of 21-0, had uh, won the IBF version of the Supermanweight Championship uh, last year with the win over Ryosuke Owasa, and uh, had one defense of that title over in uh, Madison Square Garden with a TKO victory over Ryosuke Takahashi before getting this uh unification bout against Daniel Ramon. Um you know, with, with you know, with these two guys here in the super uh weight division, uh you had, you know, two guys uh, you know that wanted to, you know, see if they could uh putting in their head as the uh top guy in at Super Bantamweight. Uh you did have, you know, the uh WBC champion uh there in uh, Ray Vargas uh who you know was considered by a lot of people to be the uh top person there at super bantamweight uh you do you know also have um you know Emmanuel Navarrete who recently won the WBO version of the super bantamweight title over Isaac Dogbro. um so you know you had all of these uh fighters that, you know, recently have their, uh, either their title defenses or they recently won their uh, world titles uh, over the past uh, 6 to 12 months, but uh, here with this particular matchup, uh, you did have, you know, these two guys in uh, Daniel Ramon and TJ uh face each other, you know, to unify the WBA and IBA version of the Super Vandomeweight titles, and Uh, This was a, uh, you know, supposedly uh, coming into the fight was going to be a good matchup coming in, Um, and, you know, we pretty much lived up to expectations. uh, I would probably say may have uh, surpassed a few people's expectations um, in the sense that uh, they were, you know, able to uh, perform pretty much at a high level uh, from, you know rounds 1 to round 12 uh but uh you know for me uh you know you had Daniel Ramon pretty much kind of like separate himself uh over TJ Donahue, you know with him being a you know long standing um world champion uh had like a little bit more experience under his belt uh, in comparison to T.J. Donahue, you know, with his uh, big... You know, the last two fights that he did have were uh, wins against uh, pretty good opponents uh, there in uh, Flores and uh, Gavin McDonald, And uh, he was able to, you know, get the best of uh, T.J. Donahue in, in this particular matchup. Um, you know, was able to score an early knockdown in the fight in round two. And know, also had followed it up uh, with a uh, knockdown in uh, round 11. Uh, so he kind of like was catching uh, T.J. Donahue a few times
2: uh, there
1: in, in this particular bout, um, pretty much uh, just showed in the tail ends of the fight that he was, you know, a little bit uh, of a higher class than T.J. Donahue, even though Donahue, uh, or Donahue, my, my fault is Dahini, um, that, you know, Dahini was game, uh, you know, was still coming forward, still, you know, pursuing uh, Daniel Ramon. Um, but, you know, those times that he did get caught was, you know, a definite uh, setback for him. Um, and, you know, we, it just ended up that uh, Daniel Rahman uh was able to get to, uh, through uh, 12 rounds in this particular matchup, um, and it went to the scorecards, and you had scores of 116-110, uh, uh, another score of 116-110, and 113-113 for him to get a majority decision win. Add the IBF version of the Super Bantamweight Championship to his WBA Super Bantamweight title. handing in Dahini, his first loss of his professional career. So Dahini falls to 21-1, and one, while Daniel Rahman moves to 27 wins, two losses, and one draw. And uh, with these scores here, uh, you see that one judge there, uh, Max Luca, had it. You know, one sixteen, one ten. It's pretty much a uh, eight rounds to four. Uh, Zachary Young had the same score, one sixteen, one ten, and Edward Hernandez Sr. had it one thirteen to one thirteen. So, with those two uh, knockdowns that uh, Ramon scored over Donny, looked like a. Uh, Edward Hernandez, Sr., had it 7-5 in favor of Dahini. So it was, uh, you know, a little bit of a contrast from the other two scores uh, that were uh, posted in by Max Luke and Zachary Young. Uh, But,
2: you know,
0: with
1: with the fight being as kind of like close and pretty much as action-packed as it was, uh, you kind of like would have seen how, you know, both, uh, fighters could have you know had a little bit of an uh little bit of an advantage in this uh particular uh matchup um and and I felt that you know this uh fight here kind of like stolen the show uh there at the forum in inglewood um in comparison to the uh, main event uh which a lot of people were uh looking forward to uh so Uh, You know, with this win uh, by Daniel Ramon, he uh, is the um, first guy pretty much in the Super Band division to kind of like unify those titles. Um, Navarrete, like I said, with that Mm WBO championship and recently won that title. Um, You know, not sure if he's going to pretty much have a rematch with Dogbo because he clearly. Uh, won that fight against Dogbo, and you know was a pretty much a uh, instance where you wouldn't want to see uh, Dogbo fighting Navarrete again. Uh, Navarrete is a very tall guy, rangy fighter, kind of like uh, Ray Vargas is in that super weight division. So, um, so you probably see a uh, Navarrete having a. a uh, a voluntary defensive source here before he could pretty much take on uh, any of these other guys that hold uh, uh, titles there. Super Venomweight, uh, you know, Ray Vargas. Uh, Vargas, you know, did have um, his uh, fight back uh, in, in February, when uh, he was able, able to uh, defend his title and get a unanimous decision. So um, we're gonna see what else will mix up for uh Ray Vargas says uh he does have you know still a couple of guys there that are contending for that WBC version of the super bantamweight championship including the uh top ranked guy there Julio Sea so uh that you know that's of
3: like what you know
1: in store there at the super bantamweight division uh, you know with Daniel Ramon. uh you know the kind of like may see if he'll have one of those uh, defenses of those belts against uh, guys that are ranked in the WBA or the IBF. Um, you you have uh, contenders here like Brandon Figueroa, Diego De La Hoya, uh Shingo Wake, and uh, Marlon Topalis. Uh So those are the few things that... Uh, we see as possibilities for the uh, newly crowned IBF champion and the one that defended his WBA version of the Super bantamweight championship uh, out there. So that's what we had there at Super bantamweight, And going into the main event, for the WBC Flyweight Championship. You had Sri Katsaw Rung Versailles going up against Ron Francisco Estrada. Uh this was a rematch uh that happened you know back in February of two thousand and eighteen in the same um in the same location at the Foreman in Inglewood uh where you know, Rungvisai was able to get a decision victory over Estrada uh, there and be able to retain that WBC Super Flyweight title at that particular time. Uh, he did uh, move on to kind of uh, get two or more wins uh, afterwards before this particular uh, rematch here, while Estrada also uh, got two wins on his record. Um, one of those fights being in the Forum in Inglewood, and then his next fight against Victor Mendez at the StubHub Center in Carson, California, before we had this rematch here uh, between both of these guys. You have Juan Francisco Estrada that was the uh, top-rated contender there for the WBC title, and so Rang Vasai, you know, having his uh, status as the top rated guy in the super flyweight division so um that's what we had uh, coming up coming into this fight many people have felt that you know many people felt that this uh fight was going to be a good matchup between these two um that you kind of like seen uh these guys as the two guys that were you know like I said with sword five as top a guy there in the Superflyweight division in Juan Francisco Estrada around the uh, top five, if not like top three or two uh, in the
2: Superflyweight
1: division out there. So wanted to see um, if Juan Francisco Estrada was going to be able to get back Vasai in this particular matchup and uh here pretty much from round one he kind of set the tone in this fight, uh that he was, you know, looking at you know what he was going to do here against Sor Rung Vasai. Uh, he for me kinda of like fought a great fight, um was able to time Sor Rung Vasai uh, very early in this fight and that uh, he was able to land fairly cleanly against Sor Rungvisai, um, pretty much starting in round one. And I-, I felt that he kinda like fought the perfect fight against Sor Rungvisai, uh, was being able to stay, you know, a little bit out of the range from Sor Rungvisai uh to be uh, caught by another um so vasai's power punches. So, you know, while he was able to stay out of range, he was able to land uh, very cleanly on So vasai. you know, for a majority of those rounds from uh, rounds one to, like, I would say round eight. So for me, like, those first oh, eight rounds or so, um, you had – Juan Francisco try to be very successful um, in his game plan as, as far as, as far like, being able to, be to sure measure so wrong their in range, um, see what Soronga side was going to do, and be able to uh, hit and connect well with the uh, counter shots. And also mixing that in with, you know, a few uh, jabs and hooks in there to kind of, like, throw, uh, throw, throw wrong with my off and that hook. Timing was you know, and is this it just didn't seem like you know oh, after like four rounds, small rounds, and so, you know, he small rounds. Kind so. of seemed to be completely in it. Um, that he, you know, was getting caught a few times, and you know, once he was getting caught, uh, he kind of like you know gave pretty much gave uh, props to uh, Estrada for the. Uh, punches that he was able to land um, you know, on him. So, that's the thing about so that's the thing that we uh, kind of like saw in those first eight rounds or so. Um, it wasn't until like round nine or two, it seemed like Juan Francisco has to kind of change his you know, change his approach up and Allowed Sorueng Besada to get into the inside and land a few times uh, there, um, you know, on the inside. So that that is only, you know, the only instances where I kind of like seen Sorueng Besada kind of like land in succession or with much success on Juan Francisco Estrada. So he was able to. Estrada was able to. just stick with that game plan for most of the fight. Was able to do that for you know, I would say ten of the twelve rounds uh that that uh did take place. Um, but you know, you're able to
3: go through the scorecards
1: and through uh two scores of one fifteen to one thirteen and one score of one sixteen to one twelve. Juan Francisco Estrada was able to get the unanimous decision victory and win that WBC super flyweight championship. Um, that is like the, I would say, his second um, second stint of winning a super championship. He was the um, WBA super flyweight champion. Um, you know, earlier um, in his career, uh, but he also, you know, had a, a version of the flyweight championships uh, like back in uh, 2014 and 2015. So uh, he, he was able to be, you know, he is a two-division uh, world champion. And, you know, he uh, hands, uh, saw rung beside his first loss since, back in 2014 against Carlos Quadras. So, you know, Saul Rumbus had gone through a uh, string of, you know, over four years uh, where he was able to uh, get a string of victories, and of course, he is notable for uh, handing uh, Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez uh, his first couple of losses uh, in his career. So, um, this, you know, kind of like signifies as a big win there in the super flyweight division, and uh, for for uh, Francisco Estrada there, it will kind of like establishes him as probably the new king there in the super flyweight division. Uh, let me see here. Seems like got a, a caller in here. Erico two oh five. What's going on with you? What's going on, James? Is Mike Grady? How you doing, man? Doing good there, Brother Mike, doing good. Just uh starting off here with the uh fights that did uh, take place at the forum with um Daniel Ramon unifying the super bantamweight championships and Juan Francisco to uh getting uh his revenge on So Arung to win that W B C super Flyweight uh championship uh there. So um you know, Asada was able to, you know, fight a very good fight against Sorung beside and uh, get that win while, you know, that Ramon uh, Dahami fight uh, kind of like stole the show in that particular card uh, there. Uh, but you had a Ramon being able to, you know, get the win and unify those titles. So that's pretty much been uh, what I've been able to cover here so far in this uh, version of the show. Um, so far, but uh, were you able to like catch either of these fights or any highlights of um, either of
2: them? Yeah, so I um, caught some of the Sarang Vasai Estrada fight and um, for the first few rounds that I saw it seems like um, Estrada was getting the better of the exchanges at least from the beginning and like, you know just when they would exchange it just seemed like Estrada was getting the better of it. I didn't pay attention to where I could critique it, but that's what I kinda of saw and then like, I watched it kinda of late so I was kinda of sleepy too, so um but from what everybody says he outboxed uh Vasai. Didn't he knock him down a couple of times?
1: No, nah, no, nah, he wasn't uh he didn't uh, knock him down. Uh it was just pretty much it was something where he was just able to time uh, Soar Vasai very well and was able to catch him a few times, but nothing that seriously hurt uh, Soar Vasai there to, you know, put him down on the canvas. Gotcha,
2: gotcha. Yeah, so I didn't watch it uh, good enough to really a great comment on it.
1: Gotcha. Um, so, you know, just uh, going through, you know, these uh, two fights here, uh, like I was saying with uh, Daniel Armand getting his uh, win over uh Dahini and uh Storm and Estrada, uh you have uh, both of these guys kinda like establish themselves as you know, guys that would, you know, be on the top of the super band weight and the uh super flyweight divisions respectively. Um in that you're kind of like looking uh, forward to seeing what's next, uh, particularly with uh, Daniel Ramon, because it kind of like opens it up for uh, multiple uh, contenders there to go after the titles that he now has. Um, and I mentioned a few of those uh, contenders out there, like uh, Brandon Figueroa, Diego De La Hoya, and uh, Cesar Juarez. So we will probably see uh, Ramon have one of those uh, voluntary uh d- Title defenses against one of those guys here um, in the future. I mean, you're probably going to see um, Matchroom Boxing uh, put him in the ring there with one of those guys uh, within the next uh, three or four months or so. You know, kind of like fit him in there in a fight of sorts. So that's what we're kind of like uh, looking forward to, in,
4: uh you know, for him. And
1: then in reference to you know Juan Francisco Estrada. Uh, you know, with him being able to defeat uh, Sor Rungvisai, well, there may be a possibility that they could have a third fight uh, between each other. Um, you know, this this particular matchup kind of like showed that Ashada really had a, a um, clear victory against Sora Rungvisai. So I'm not sure if they're going to you know have that type of demand for a uh, third fight between uh, those two, whether it's in the you know same uh location at the forum in Inglewood or you know somewhere else. Uh but you know with uh shada being able to get that WBC super flyweight title that kinda of like you know opens things up for you know a shada that you know either face uh Chocolatito Gonzalez or you know another contender there in that uh super flyweight division. Uh, seeing we have another caller in here, you know, more on live area code 813. You're on the Boxing Source Radio Show.
3: Hey, what's up, Jay? This is uh, Terrell from Tampa. Once again, just fast calling for uh, participating in, in, within a great show uh, for boxing. Uh, had a lot of fights this weekend, a lot of stuff to digest from this weekend, which I heard you, you just going over some of this stuff right there. But just, uh, I mean, just literally action from coast to coast. And even to uh action across season across the barn. So uh once again just glad to call in and get into it. Yeah, no doubt there, Brother Terrell. Uh,
1: you know, I was uh just going through uh what happened on the cards uh that was on the zone, uh, with the two uh, with those two uh title fights. Uh, you also did have um Jesse Vargas in there against Umberto Soto where he was able to get you know a uh Six-round KO victory against Soto, um, but uh, I mean, for me, with uh, Vargas, you know, he did have those, you know, two uh, majority draw uh, fights against Adrian Broner and Thomas DeLorme, and you know, with that, you know, second draw uh, that he did have against DeLorme, I mean, a lot of people kind of like expected Vargas to you know, at least defeat DeLorme, but uh, Delorme was very game in that particular fight. So um, for me, I mean, you know, Vargas getting this kill win over uh, Humberto Soto, um, you know, just said that you know, he just wanted to get back into his uh, winning ways there and uh, see what he could do in the Welterweight division. But, you know, I, I'm not sure like where they're going to, you know, have something there open for him at Welterweight, um, you know, with, you know, the recent announcements that have been uh, taking place as far as, like, unification bouts or, you know, possible matchups there at Welseway. So um, you just got to see, you know, what's out there or what's left there for Jesse Vargas before uh, he's able to, you know, kind of like put his name out there for a world title shot uh, in the near future. So that was, like, another fight that was in that card uh, over at the forum. Uh, But... You want, wanted to, you know, move forward as far as like uh, more action that happened over the weekend, uh, which included the World Boxing Super Series. Uh, did have uh, semifinal matchups that did take place, uh, with uh, one being in the super lightweight division, while the other uh, was in the bantamweight division. Um, at bantamweight, you did have Nanito Diniz taking on. Stephen Young uh that was for the w b a uh championship uh was supposed to be denir against lining Tete but an injury suffered by Tete had him being pulled out of that particular matchup and injured in uh Stephen Young, who was there uh with a record of eighteen wins uh one loss and three draws um and this, this, this was, you know, pretty much like a, you know, last-minute, uh, you know, last-minute insert uh, there for Donaire So, you know, he was able to just, you know, go ahead and move forward with this bout. And he pretty much dominated that bout, um, you know, from the beginning. And then, you know, he just was able to catch Young with a, uh, like, a clear left hand that, dropped Young to the canvas and pretty much almost, like, knocked him out cold uh, there in that sixth round. So, Nair was able to score a KO victory in the sixth round, and he is moving forward to the uh, World Boxing Super Series final. And, (laughs) uh, I mean, for me, it is kind of, like, pretty uh, surprising, given that uh, going into this World Boxing Super Series, he had lost two of his last three fights, um, you know, one to Jesse Magdaleno and, you know, the other one to Carl Frampton um, before going into this. And, you know, he had went up against Ryan Burnett, and Burnett had had uh, suffered an injury during the fight, so he couldn't continue. And now uh, you know, here in this uh, particular instance, the person that he was supposed to fight, uh ends up being injured and had to pull out of the fight. Uh, so it's kind of like been a little stroke little of luck there for Nenito Diner. Uh But uh, even with that, he's able to go into the finals of that World Boxing Super Series in the Bantamweight division, uh, you know, where uh, he will end up, you know, fighting the uh, winner of Emmanuel Rodriguez versus uh, Nario Inouye. Uh, which is taking place on May 18th. So uh, that's what you have there in that uh, first uh, fight in the um, World Boxing Super Series in that main event was the uh, fight for the WBA Super Lightweight title Regis Progress against Carl Relic Uh, Progress uh, coming in there as, you know, the prohibitive favorite in the tournament Uh, undefeated 23 and 0 going up against Carl Relic, the, coming in there as a WBA super lightweight champion at twenty three and two. Um and this was just something where you kinda like seeing uh what uh and progress. progress was able to, you know, kinda like show himself being that number one uh, rated guy in the super lightweight division and he showed that uh pretty much from the from the jump, showing that he could uh you know, he was as much faster as Curl Relic uh, did, like, affect him early in the fight with a good uh, left-hand body shot that, you know, had Curl Relic basically turning around, uh, basically nearly turn his back uh, against um, Regis progress and had that he uh, followed through on Curl Relic and scored a knockdown and, you know, through the rest of the bout, it was just – uh Thing where Pro Grace was just battering Relic, um, pretty much the whole fight, you know, had his Relic's nose busted up, and you know he just uh, it was just too much. He was just too much for Curl Relic, and uh, the referee stepped in. uh stopped the bout uh, at 136 in the sixth round for Regis Pro Grace to score that TKO victory, and for him to. Go into the final of that World Boxing Super Series in the super lightweight division. He'll await the winner of Ivan Peranchik and Josh Taylor. Uh, that will be on May 18th as well. So uh, that's what we, you know, got out of uh, those two uh, particular matchups in in that card, and kind of like showed there that you know, progress was. You know, he he said that he was going to be ready for his fight against Carl Relic and that he was uh, preparing well leading into this bout. And, you know, having the fight being near his hometown, he knew that he would have a lot of support going into that fight. Um, And he just went in there and, you know, did his own thing. He, you know, going in when they had like um, the conference call, he pretty much mentioned that he doesn't really like uh, study his fighters you know, going into the bout. He just goes in there in the first uh couple of rounds or so, see what his opponents are doing and then, you know, makes his adjustments from there. But it seemed like right here in the first round he kinda like established it. He was the much faster fighter and much more uh you know, powerful fighter and basically blew out Carl Relic, uh in this uh, particular matchup. Um I'm going to start with uh, Terrell. Do uh, you have any thoughts on uh, what happened with De Nair and uh, with Regis Progress?
3: Yeah, with the De Nair fight, uh, it's unfortunate that, that the uh, the Tete guy got injured. I think it was a shoulder tendonitis or something like that and had to withdraw from the fight uh, pretty much, the week of the fight pretty much. So that that was just uh, uh, not a good thing, but never that's the main thing. They were able to save the card. He actually took Young, he was, who was actually on the undercard, and promoted him to the to the, um, to the main event. So that was good for Donito for that that fight to happen. So if you know how it is, you never want to go to a training camp and 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 not be able to fight due to some uh, reason outside of your own. You know, so that's just a waste of time, money, and resources and strain on your body. So it's good that the fight went on, so I'm glad to hear that. I mean, but other than that, Donito did what he had to do uh, he had uh, considerable, or well, a, a good height and reach advantage over over young. So uh, young, yeah. small, smaller. Uh, so basically, you kind of have to fill him out. And you know, typically your, your smaller fighters are going to be slick, because they have to be slick because they have, they lack that actual, actual physical size in order to be a, a true hardcore combat. Just to say to say, to say a word, but he did what he had to do. But other than that, just uh, he goes on to that. uh, final and everything. Uh, I don't know. Just, I mean, it's, I mean, I'm glad he got to fight because, like you don't want to win the training camp and keep that momentum going on. Like you mentioned, he has lost two of his last three prior to to uh, turn to the start. So, momentum is everything. It's definitely everything. So, hope he can go on through some good things and get to that final and hopefully secure a title. But we'll see. So, he did his part. Good for him. I've always been a nonino uh, do, uh, do uh, no, no Donaire fan. That is until he met Ger- Guillermo Rigondeau back in the day, uh several years yeah. back. And that we know that that's the fight that really kinda of changed him from that point. And even I'm trying to think what's the guy what's the fighter, uh he fought I think I'm pretty sure he fought uh got from overseas, uh Victor I don't think it was his name in the minute but I think he's pretty sure he fought the back then too. I think he beat the But anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll grab another he's, he's uh I don't think he's acting anymore now. But anyway, aside from that, to the card in Louisiana with the Regis Regis program. and from from last week when we when we discussed the fights for this week, uh, he was definitely one of the people uh, that I identified as in my main fight main fight from this weekend. That was interesting in seeing what happens and how I progress. Uh fighting at home a couple hours from his hometown, so definitely has support of friends and families like that, so that's always good for fighters to have that. And what's funny, you do know, you uh in recent memory, I don't even know any cards cars that we have that had in uh Louisiana. I know there's a resort over in in uh, Bilox, Mississippi. There's, there's there's usually a lot of Friday night fights from ESPN there but not necessarily mm-hmm. in uh Louisiana. But uh but bottom line grace pretty much blew this guy out of the water uh we know these names we know his name is relic Relic will come up in conversation later I'll leave that for later yeah progress is uh just in a sense he emphatically said that he's gonna and knock him the f out and he did that so uh so that's great, great to hear. but I tell you what just looking forward if we can get a, a final at 140 for the WBS's turn for Regis pro grace and Josh Taylor that's going to be the makings for a great fight, because uh, Josh Taylor. I didn't know much about him prior to this, but the way he's been fighting in this tournament, he's he's, he's fighting his ass off. So, so looking forward if Taylor and Progress is in the final, uh, that's going to be in a sense, be a pick and fight. Uh, Progress probably will have more speed on him, uh, but 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 Taylor's is not someone that's going to back down, but. We still have some work to go yeah. in order to get to that, that particular final, uh, if that does happen like that. But I'm re- really, though, when you talk about 140, uh, it seems, if you, if you think about it, it seems so long ago when 140 was filled with people like Terrence Crawford, uh, even Adrian Broner to a degree, uh, Amir Khan, uh, uh, Danny Garcia. That it seemed like so long ago. And cause even since then, all those names that i mentioned have already did a lot of work at 140, left 140, went up to 147, right, and now in and after after Crawford unified the titles and then subsequently left the left 140 and just left it wide open again. So it took some time, a little bit of time for some names to come to uh, a, a memory at 140. People like Regis Prograis, relics in, in a sense. Uh, even and even post, a fifth of posto is making a comeback at this point at 140. But mm-hmm. uh, 140 slowly, slowly beginning to get to get, get back on fire. And I'm so appreciative of the fact of the WBS's tournaments at the different weight classes that are uh, selecting certain fighters, fighters and giving them an opportunity to to uh, win that Muhammad Ali trophy in that division for the title for the for the for the tournament in that sense and given uh, name and title recognition. That and even uh, a great thing is like we talked about before with the tournament. uh, It doesn't matter if you have the title, it's it's basically people you have to fight in your bracket, put your title up. If if your title goes up, that's what goes up. So, but it's a great thing at 140, and and like I said, now it's really starting to get back on fire within that division where you're going to see some exciting fights as we are seeing right now. So, so I'm looking for pro to continue to rise, Josh Taylor, people like that. So, it's uh it's definitely fun to see and really who else is that uh one forty? Jose Ramirez, and, and even Victor, Victor, yep. Victor Posto. Posto he won last night against uh this kid's name Let's see. Yeah,
1: Posto uh,
3: win against Camune. Uh, yeah, anyway yeah. something like that, who uh, I forgot where he's from but but Posto, uh he's he, he's someone else that can put his name Back into contention at 140, he's certainly a contender within the division, despite uh, his losses against uh, Crawford and uh, Josh Taylor, right? So that's that's definitely a name to figure out, figure out as well. Uh, he's not going nowhere. I hope he's learned from his two losses and uh, he knows what it takes to stay at the top, which he did last night with 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 some of a uh, weird, unconventional opponent that that throws a lot of looping shots. But but other than that is 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 a great thing to see from uh, 140, and that's definitely more to
1: see with the Bannerweight tournament as well. Yeah, uh, definitely there with that uh, super lightweight division. You know, uh, Progress had been able to clearly uh, score his win over Curl Relic and kind of like establish himself as, you know, one of the top guys there in the super lightweight division. And if he possibly fights uh, Josh Taylor, Josh Taylor defeats uh, Ivan Brancic uh, on May 18th, then you're going to have your very good matchup there for the uh, WBA and IBF uh, Super Lightweight titles. And going through that Super Lightweight division itself, it seems like they're trying to uh, also make a fight between Jose Carlos Ramirez and Maurice Hooker for the WBC and WBO uh, titles there. So that kind of like makes the uh super lightweight division or at least the top of the super lightweight division uh be uh back up there again and, and things like that um so that we'll be able to get those uh, good fights uh between uh these uh, top guys. Uh before I get Mike Grady back on, I got a caller here that was uh, you know, on mute for a while, Erico O646, six four six, you're on the Boxing Source radio show.
0: What's good? Hey man, it's uh Rafael Calvo of ADM Boxing. It was Ralph,
1: was good with you.
0: Not much. Uh I got to see a little bit of the Aftermath from The Zone and um what was the other one? Uh the Showtime fights. And uh, yeah, yeah, the, checking uh Showtime fights there, there, but uh you know two, you know two of the
1: two of these uh fights that I've covered here were on The Zone. the Friday uh night fights that were there and this one here with the World Boxing Super Series on Saturday.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I, I was uh, tuning into all the aftermath because I I really just was like watching some of the highlights. I didn't I didn't tune into the Rancis versus Robert Eastern fight that closely because I I had to work or whatever. But um, I wanted mm-hmm. to ask is are there any questions that I could ask like that have a little something less to do from this weekend? Like, uh, about the middleweight division?
1: Uh, I mean, you probably could, like, cover something within the middleweight division. As, um, you know, well, we do have, you know, that big fight that we're looking forward to on uh, next Saturday uh, with those, uh, with the unified middleweight championships that are on the line there. So, um yo, know, real quick off topic, what did you want to talk about?
0: Okay, so I heard Eddie Hearn talking about um, the Jacobs versus Canelo fight and uh I was listening to him and he was he said that uh he thinks that Canelo's the pound for pound uh like he's the best fighter in the world he thinks and he said that if Jacobs was to beat Canelo that he would be the number 1 so something went off in my head and it made me think that wait a minute if if Eddie Hearn has Andrade on and, uh Triple G and Jacobs and Canelo and if Jacobs was to win versus Canelo, which I actually give more chances to Canelo, but if Jacobs was to win versus Canelo, would he clog up the welterweight division? Being that Al Heyman has all the most of the welterweights? Like I just wanted to ask that question and see what you thought. Well, I mean, in reference to the
1: welterweight division, uh you do have um you know the things there with the champions and uh Keith Thurman, uh you have Sean Porter uh, out there and you also have Errol Spence. So they, you know, they kinda like do hold the majority of the uh, Welterweight titles. So, you know, most yeah. of those matchups that will happen at Welterweight are pretty much, you know, under, you know, that PBC banner and under Al Heyman, While on the flip side there with at middleweight, you do have, you know, a lot of those middleweight champions that are, you know, either with uh, Golden Boy Promotions with, you know, Canelo Alvarez or, you know, under a uh, match room in the zone or uh, with their free agent of sorts there with, you know, uh, Demetrius Andrade with that WBO version of the title. You have Daniel Jacobs that has, you know, an IBF uh, title as well. And then you have the, you know, contender there and Gennady Golovkin that, you know, will have a one fight uh, that will take place uh, here uh, in the future, before he kind of like sees if he'll campaign right there in the middleweight division, so uh, you do you know have a lot of uh, a lot of the big fights there at middleweight pretty much will take place on you know the, the zone platform whether uh, they're promoted by Matchroom Boxing or uh, on the Golden Board Promotions or uh, and the like. So I mean, in that sense, you probably. We'll see, like, a couple of fights being blocked off, but in reference to the middleweight division, I don't really see that kind of, like, happening because, you know, since, like, every, you know, pretty much, like, every uh, world championship uh, is uh, held by a fighter that fights on the zone, that's where you're going to get uh, those middleweight title fights in, you know, starting here uh, next uh, Saturday or May 4th with that unification uh, about between Canelo Alvarez and Daniel Jacobs that kind of like shows uh there where the uh say the middleweight uh division is. Um so that's what I pretty much uh you know got on that. Um did you have any thoughts on uh what happened there with that uh super lightweight title fight between Pro Grace and Relic uh before I go into the thing with um Easter Jr.
0: Bartholomew telling uh, me later on. Um not really. I I I I tuned into some of the highlights of the fights. I saw what Jesse Vargas did. Um I saw what um what this guy I forgot this guy at one forty. Forgot this the guy's name, but I saw what he did. Um but I I didn't mm. I didn't too, I didn't focus too much on the on the fight between Estrada and Longies the only thing that I that I kept hearing was that uh, Ronnie went uh, he went orthodox and um, he sh- the, the Eddie Hearn was saying that he shouldn't have that he should have just, like after the sixth round, he should have stayed lefty, uh, southpaw and he would have been fine and, and the, the fight would have been better off for him, but, you know, I know that they they're campaigning for a rematch or whatever and stuff like that, but I didn't really watch it closely, and I I hadn't seen the first one. So being that I saw the highlights, though, I think it is worth the rematch. But the guy was talking about, uh, Estrada was talking about that he wants to unify and then maybe rematch again because the guy, Rungizvai, gave him a rematch to begin with. So I thought that was dope. Like, I, I think, I feel like... At times, like the zone has way more to promise, even though like these fighters sometimes they don't they don't have uh, much of publicity, you mm-hmm. know. I, besides besides the fact that they're international stars at times, because in America they're not known, but internationally they're known. So I feel like at times they give more promise, or it makes you want to tune in again to the zone. And I I hate I hate to crap on Showtime, but like sometimes I feel like I feel like Showtime needs to step the game up a little bit.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I like you know, me over the past you. few months or so, well, at least I would say over the past six months plus, uh, we've seen that you know the Zone has really invested a lot of money into you know the sport of boxing and getting a lot of these boxers over to have their fights televised uh by the zone. Uh, whether, you know, you know, it's the acquisitions of you know getting Anthony Joshua, uh getting Canelo Alvarez, getting the likes of um, you know, Alexander Usick, um, and these other uh you know, the middleweight contenders and, you know, with their recent signing of Devin Haney who will be a part of the card um that's on May twenty fifth, uh, headlined by uh Alexander Usyk. Uh, against Carlos Stackham. They're, they're, you know, definitely making their statement to say,
3: hey, have a quick we want to, want to have boxing. To call her from uh, New York, please. Yeah, what was that?
1: Yeah. Oh, it's um
3: Yeah, hey, real quick. So if you were Eddie Hearn and, of course, Canelo's in your stable, right, and Canelo's in, in line for a big fight. We, we know next week at with uh, Dan, uh, Danny Jacobs, one U.S. fighter. Smothers said he's the number one combat fighter, considering the fact that we got a, someone out there like uh, Terence Crawford, who has a great body of work, and Canelo himself has a great body of work. He has a couple of losses in there. We know that, but never that. And mm-hmm. plus, some debatable, some debatable de- decisions he got against Golovkin in his last fight. Uh, so if you were Smothers it's of course you're going to say he's the number one top of pound fighter in the world. That's what he's expected to say. He wants to promote his fighter and promote his fight. Just making sure that he's, he has the best of the best. And at this point, they do have a, a great stable right at this point, right? But just focus on Canelo. Uh, do you truly think he's top more pound more, be- more deserving than, than Terrence Crawford? And just give me your quick thought on that, please. Let me answer first,
2: Jay. Let me answer first. All right. Uh... I would say, Terrell, undoubtedly Canelo is the pound-for-pound best fighter in the world. Terrence Crawford is a more skillful fighter than Canelo, but Terrence Crawford's resume does not speak to Canelo's resume. Don't nobody in the boxing game right now have anything close to his resume, but Danny Garcia, um, Luis Collazo got a great, you know, fighting record but he's not winning these fights. But I'm just saying, you can't get pound for pound just because you're skillful. Like, they try to give um, Lomachenko pound for pound because he's skillful and he won two gold medals. He had not done anything. Canelo has been tried and true. Yes, he faced some adversity. Yes, uh, there were questionable wins in there. But at the end of the day, the wins that he does have and the people that he has fought, the top level, the top competition – Ain't nobody got a better resume than Canelo. So he pound for pound. By by him, by his resume, by his previous acts, not by how how much talent he has or the possibility. Well, I mean yeah, he he did fight the
1: likes of Austin Trout, Harris Landy Shane Mosley, yeah. Kerman Centron, Julio Chavez yeah. Junior and his two fights against uh, Ganella, uh, Gennady Golovkin uh, and Mayweather. Yeah, Miguel Cotto. So, yeah, uh,
2: Cotto. ain't nobody got a resume better than that. Laura and 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 he just has you know that single loss of Floyd Mayweather Jr. I
1: mean, like here here he is. I mean he's been in the game for a long time. Uh, he's been in the game since two thousand and five, uh, and he has fifty one wins in his record. Uh, so. You know that being said, I mean he's kind of like gone through you know, a lot of these uh, tough fighters and tough fights uh, that maybe you know the likes of uh, Terence Crawford and uh, uh, Vasiliy Lomachenko I haven't really gone through. Um, you know, with Lomachenko, yeah, he did have his um, loss to Orlando Salido, and uh, you know, um, you know one fight there um, against Gary Russell Jr., and then his you know fight last year uh where he was able to, you know, win the uh, that WBA uh version of the lightweight title, um, you know, when he, you know, defeated um Linares. So while he so while Lomachenko has had a couple of uh you know big fights himself, he hasn't really had the overall resume that Canelo Alvarez has had. So uh, that's why, you know, people would probably put uh Canelo there at number one because of, you know, him being able to have that many uh wins on his record and uh being able to fight and defeat the likes of the uh fighters that he was able to defeat uh pretty much um I would say over the past five or six years or so. So that's pretty much uh you know where he have it stands for uh that pound for pound discussion.
2: I think they should have another award, like most skillful fighter or something like that. And it, there should be more clarification to to the pound for pound title, or someone should do a better job of defining what the consensus meaning of pound for pound is. Because we are we get away with saying that somebody who's very shiny at the moment or colorful are the pound for pound best fighter. Like, even when Andre Ward was here and then they were making claims of all these other people being the best pound-for-pound fighter when Andre Ward was in the game, and then even when Andre Ward was there, the next person in line was Canelo. And so they're skipping over Canelo. They're skipping over Andre Ward. They're skipping over, hell, Danny Garcia. Danny Garcia has a great resume. Like, if we just look on, like, I mean, he got two losses. He, He done lost a couple times. But um, I'm just speaking in terms of, like, what he's actually done, not what we say he can do, what he's actually done up until this point. They need another, another title to give, to give people or, or define what, what we mean by pound for pound. Because, yeah, Terrence Crawford, as great as he is, as good as he is, he's not the pound for pound best. Yeah, he's great. He, he's good at what he does. He unified the division. Um, you know, the man just blew through. He made Amir Khan look like he was a C-level fighter. He's a great fighter. But until he fight the likes of Sean Porter or these big fights where he actually faced adversity, because the thing that makes Canelo the pound-for-pound great is that Canelo has faced adversity. You saw what he did when he was fighting against Mayweather where he knew he wasn't going to win the fight, but he continued to still to try to win the fight, even though he was outclassed. You look at another person who fought Mayweather, um, um, Pacquiao. Pacquiao took it back a few notches once he realized he wasn't going to win the fight. And in, in 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 all senses of the word, it was a glorified spar match. Like Canelo continued to try to win. Canelo exerted himself. Canelo looked. Foolish at times because he was trying to win. Mm-hmm. He faced adversity and mm-hmm. came back, and he learned a hell of a lesson because Canelo learned a lot from that fight. We got to see Terrence Crawford face some adversity. Outside of just getting hurt one time by uh, what's-his-name and then stopping him at the end. He need to face some real adversity to where he's not always favored to win a fight. Like, Canelo, the pound-for-pound, because he takes fights like he's about to have next week in that um, whatever his name has a chance to win, like if it go to the scorecards. Sure, we know Canelo gonna win, but um, Daniel Jacobs has at least a chance to win. Like he's a, he's good enough to beat Canelo. Will they give him the decision? Right. Probably not. Probably not. But he has a chance to beat him.
0: I think. He yeah, uh, him I think you were
1: talking about the
2: uh, Scamboa Gamboa uh, in reference yeah, oh, to um, Terrence Crawford. The one time he got hurt. I mean, I'm sure he got buzzed a few times, but the one time he visibly was hurt, and then he ended up stopping him in that same round. Not a lot of adversity. He hadn't had a a total career to face adversity. Ndongo, as great as Ndungo's streak was, Dungo would get murdered by Danny Garcia. Dungo would get murdered by most 140-pounders, like, and Dungo had a great run, but he ain't that good.
1: Yeah, gotcha, gotcha.
2: Now, um, seems like uh, we have uh,
1: another caller in here. Wanted to get in. Eric Cole, 575, what's good? You're on the Boxing Source radio show.
4: Boxing Source, what's happening? i Austin, trying How had call the time a little bit late. Better late than never. Yeah, no doubt, my brother, no doubt.
1: Uh, seeing uh, that you're calling in here, we, we got you. Uh, we know that you have a uh, fight coming up here on May 25th over in uh, Biloxi, Mississippi. So, uh, could you uh, break that down here quickly for us?
4: Yes, sir, yes, sir. I'm going to my plug. May 25th, Fox Sports One will be airing live main event Trout versus Terrell Gloshay. It's going to be a good fight. Well, on paper, I'm going to tell you it's not going to be that good of a fight. I'm beating this man with these <laughs> yeah, but um man, honestly, Alex you know I'm, uh, much respect to his opponent and then I wanna give my condolences to his family. I know he had um you know family emergency recently and shit like that is bigger than boxing. Um so you know what I mean we 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 got hearts and it's all about a gentleman's sport. I'm gonna beat him up on the twenty fifth regardless. But yeah my heart still goes out to his family. Yeah.
1: Now um uh, you know with this Upcoming fight here uh, against Gaussia, of course, like a lot of uh, people uh, know about Gaussia with his uh, previous fight that he did have against Arislandi Lara. That was uh, in the uh, Barclays Center uh, back in 2017. Um, That was, you know, pretty much a fairly uh, uneventful fights were a lot of people that were in attendance and that were watching, but uh, he did, you know, respond uh, with the uh, KO victory over Joey Hernandez on December 22nd of last year at the Barclays Center. Uh, so, you know, he's kind of like looking to get, you know, back into the uh, back into the contention there in the super welterweight division. But I'm sure that you want to kind of start stop that type of momentum there uh, in this fight against yeah, I got in Biloxi, Mississippi.
4: I got my own plans. I want to get myself back into contention in the junior middleweight and the welterweight division. So, you know, his, his run ends with Joey Hernandez. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, um,
1: you know, seeing here, you you kind of like um, still there. um uh, In the WBC rankings, uh, they got you, I think it's uh, currently number five in the WBC. Uh, So you're kind of like, you know, toe in there, get this win, and then kind of like put your name a little bit higher than the WBC rankings, particularly with, um, you know, that title kind of like changing hands. uh, Recently uh, with uh, Tony Harrison uh, defeating Jamel Charlo, uh, out there. So, mm-hmm. um, what are you looking to kind of like uh, do here in this particular fight against Garcia, so that you know they could say, "Hey, you know, Austin Trout is you know still out there at super welterweight, and he should be in line to get another title shot here in the future."
4: Man, I can not say that any more, any better. Um, I, I don't not just want to win; I want to win in a fantastic fashion. You know. Um, my back is always against the wall, but you know, my back is really against the wall. Just like coming off a loss um last year, which is almost a year to to you know, to the fight day. About a week shy of a year, me being in the ring, I just wanna one, I just wanna fight. I just want a job again. You know, that's first and foremost. I love boxing. I love fighting and um, you know, I hate these layoffs. But it is what it is and now I got a chance to, to not only come back but come back against a uh, a good opponent with a good name and a good record. He's got an amateur I mean, a stellar amateur background, he was an Olympian and a win over him, uh, would be great, but a win over him with great trash and like maybe not beat his ass all ten rounds or stopping, would be just icing on the cake. And that'd be exactly what I needed for my career to get back into the to the title contention.
1: Yeah, um, you know, speaking of uh, that fight uh, that you did have, the previous fight was uh, back in June ninth, 2018, against Jamel Charlo there. Um, that was for that WBC uh, title where um, you did uh, kind of like uh, have the – get the short end of the stick um, in reference to the decision.
4: Um,
1: you did uh, kind of have um, one of those judges there have uh, – Had the score in your favor, but the uh, two uh, Mm -hmm. knockdowns that were scored uh, made that like an even uh, scorecard there against Jamel Charlo. Uh, But you know, like you're saying, you you had this uh, layoff, and you know that kind of like is you know pretty much a um, like downer because you want to like get there in the ring, you want to get in there and fight, and you know show that you you know still have it. Uh, in there in the ring. So, you know, it just, you know, kind of like the brakes kind of like didn't fall in your favor to try to get a fight there before the end of the year. And so you're yeah. able to get into 2019. And now you have this fight here against Corel Gaucher. And like, like you said right there, man, uh, trying to make a statement to get uh, back into title contention there at uh, 154 pounds uh, right there. So, um, I would like you to, like, kind of, like, expound on, you know, what it means to, like, have those uh, type of layoffs and how, how that, like, affects you as far as, like, um, you know, keeping in shape or if, if you, like, uh, you know, kind of, like, following off as far as, like, uh, staying staying within the weight or if you have, like, a walking weight where you kind of, like, get a little bit above 154 pounds. So does it, like, kind of, like, take... Uh, a little bit more time for you to get back down into fight weight before you prepare for a fight, whether it's against Garcia or anybody
4: else. Yeah, well, I mean, one wonder what else, what the type of fighter I am, the busier I am, the sharp I am. You know, if you see me in a fight where I haven't fought in a year, it definitely wouldn't have been as good as if it was my third fight in that year. And um, when I was nice and busy, I was you know knocking people out you know stopping people easily. so that's that's one thing that the layoff does and another thing too is like you have to get in that whole mindset of 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 camp and and getting in that mindset of camp is harder to do when you ain't done it in a year. it almost seems like you're just kind of redoing everything over again or learning everything over again and I'm not talking about the box I'm just talking about like getting your schedule ready, being away from your family um things that you you're not used to like i i I'm very active in my children's life, you know, and, and so mm-hmm. having to miss them, it felt like I ain't, I ain't, right now it's been, you know, a few weeks since I've seen them, but it felt like I ain't seen them in months, because, you know, just being back in that camp mindset. Um, but this time, I got, I got Rob here and I have Floyd Mayweather Sr. on board, and and they've got me, my weight's great, you know, they've with me in a shape already, and we still got time to, to sharpen everything up, uh, and to get stronger and better. And so, you know, I, I thank God for, for those two coming in on board. And, and I feel like, honestly, they showed me, this camp has shown me that I've been doing camp wrong in my whole 36 fights. So, you know, going forward, I think mean, this fight's going to be the first fight, and it's not going to be the best fight that you see, Austin Child, because I am coming off of, uh, you know, a year layoff, but it is going to be a, a better version of Austin that you guys have seen in a long time. And, and, and the next fight is going to be even better, and the fight of the is going to be phenomenal as long as they keep you busy. Now, that's, uh, you know, very
1: interesting <laughs> that, you know, you mentioned the thing there as far as, like, work with Robert Garcia and uh, Floyd Sr. Um, you know, you're there over at the want sure uh, Garcia, Club. And, and yeah, just want to
4: make yeah, sure okay. that's not Robert Garcia and I just want to make sure that that's, that's no, it's not Robert Garcia, it's Rob Garcia. He, yeah, he's exactly. got a whole strength coach for a long time. Uh, him and Floyd have been working together for, like, 20 years. And it's a package deal with those two. got
1: right, gotcha, gotcha. you uh, thanks for uh, mm-hmm. expressing that there. Um, now, you know, you were saying the thing about your whole training regiment for this particular fight and how, you know, this has been a lot different than what you've been doing in your previous fights. Um, kinda like explain how it's been different, uh, you know, given that you, you know, work with a lot of uh, you work with a few trainers and been in a few boxing gyms, uh, you know, most notably like over in Headbangers gym uh, recently yeah. and, you know, other gyms. So how is it, you know, being there in like Mayweather boxing gym and kind of like, you know, being there working with, you know, those trainers and the other fighters that go into the Mayweather boxing gym. Um,
4: I would say that like the biggest difference is, is the data um, and the mapping that Rob does, uh, you know, Rob, he's, he's kind of a one-stop shop. He, he's a strength training, he's the sports medicine. He's, he's the film, uh, analyst, you yeah, know, he's, you know, we, we do things like we take my blood pressure every morning. Um, you know, just to see what the numbers are saying. So it's really, it's the data. It's not, it, I, I know no shade to, to Barry Hunter or Louis Burke, you know, they are great coaches, great trainers. I love their minds, but it's really the data, you know, that that And the, ten- the attention to, to the details of, of that data that I, I feel is uh, is the biggest difference. Seeing those numbers and the, how they change and what they reflect how I feel is, is a big deal. And then once we have a good week, you know, we see the numbers that we did that week. And we go to the next week and we see what numbers we do this week. And if it was a bad week, we see if the numbers correlate to that. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of things that, that Rob is, is drawing to my attention that we really didn't do that I didn't do, I and mean, it's not—it's not anybody's fault, Besides my own. I just, you know, I kind of been just trying to play this whole game by ear, instead of getting um, somebody like Rob, who's been there and done that, and, and has a formula, and is able to to throw me into that formula.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. So you'll be able to like show all of that there in your fight against Rob Garcia on May 25th over at the uh, Bell Revised Resort and Casino in Biloxi, Mississippi. Now, with, with your opponent there and uh, Terrell Gauchet, like what what are you seeing in, in there uh, with Garche that you might not have seen uh, with uh, some of the other opponents that you've uh, been able to face? Or is it somebody that you feel that you have the confidence that you've already seen his type of style in the ring before?
4: Well, I'm confident I've seen this type of style before. I'm not – I don't think he's going to come and be very tricky like Laura or I don't think he's going to come and bulldoze down like Hurd or anything like that. Uh, but we know that he does have a great technical skill. He's a good solid fighter. He's Olympian. So that comes with its own um, level of skill in itself. And I know he's hungry. So, you know, that's the kind of thing that you can't measure is hungry and determination. Um, but I'm starving, too. I've always been a hungry fighter. Even when I was champion, I was hungry. So um, I feel like my experience, my hunger, which is also immeasurable, is going to be the deciding factor. Actually, to be honest, my skill set, I'm am I'm a better skill fighter, and I feel like I'm a stronger fighter. But without the physical attributes around, you know, the immeasurable things like the hunger and my experience, they're they the they, they greatest in my opinion. Gotcha, gotcha
1: Now uh, uh, just seeing here We got like a couple of callers on the line here um, Just opening the floor If uh, y'all have any questions for Austin awesome Trout uh, Go right ahead uh,
2: Hi Austin, this is uh, Mike Grady How you doing man, thank you for coming on the show I'm here Mike
4: yeah, Thanks for having me man Thanks for
2: calling say? Oh yeah, anytime Austin awesome Trout comes, You know we got to show love right
4: and all them, uh, I appreciate that.
2: Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So uh, you mentioned that Rob Garcia looks at data and he uses his, you know, approach by looking at the data and then assessing what needs to happen. Do you think that approach also tells you when you peak or would you have to go through a few camps and then you'll get that information
4: yeah, that, that's what the dad's for. We're going to see, you know, and and he knows the cycle of, of when an average fighter, you know, is supposed to peak. But then as far as me, when I'm supposed to peak, you know, we have enough times where we get through a couple of peak cycles. That way, by time Saturday, we'll be peaking at the right time. And everything's just going to be running on all cylinders effortlessly. Okay.
2: And so I guess I was asking, will you really find that out, like, after
4: this camp, or can you find that, like, pre-fight, I mean? Oh, we're finding that during the camp. Like, oh, okay. So we're going to go through yeah. a couple of peak cycles. So, you know, we'll know how many days it is before our peak, and then we can map out for the you know rest of the camp. So that way I am peaking at that exact time for the 25th. You know, he when we got the fight date, he took that date and he worked backwards. So that way, you know, that we're we're peaking on the 25th, going through a breakdown phase on this day, going through a peak phase on this day and, and figuring out the cycle from there.
2: It's the sweet science, man. That's that's beautiful.
4: It's beautiful to hear. No, thank you.
1: Hey, um have another caller in here. Uh, you got a question there for Austin Drought?
3: Hey what's up Austin? This uh, is Terrell. trail once again like Mike stated we're glad to have you back on the show. Uh just certainly lets us uh good good presentation you are great title uh, and hello from uh, New Mexico. But of again, thanks for calling in, calling back in, and having you back on the show. Uh, oh, not, nice. not so much, not so much question. But like, like I said before, you when know, we previously had you on the show, definitely uh, been a great fan. i Have seen all, um, all all your major fights uh, within the last five, six years. Things like that. Uh, not a question, but I just I just implore you as a as a pure fan, get this win for us. Right, <laughs> yeah, because right. when you look at 154, there's opportunities. When you look across the, the, yes, the title right. holders, Munguia, uh Tony Harris, who's also locked up to, uh, to a fight with uh, Charlo again, we see, we see that. But even with Mungia for example, you know we saw when he fought a, a, an older fighter, a veteran fighter, in a sense, in Hogan. A fight he probably should have lost, but nevertheless he got to uh-huh. win anyways, despite that. But but there there's opportunity for you. Ain't ain't nothing stuff you already know need for you to win, because we want to see your name at the top of the bill. And that's something from a, a pure fan perspective. Don't need no 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 questions. I just need you to get this win for us. Yes,
4: I mean first of all, thank you so much for your continued support. And and for you, for you my man, I am going to get this win. I'm gonna get in great fashion too, for all my fans.
3: And just and last thing, when you get once you once your hand is raised in victory, we do need for you to get the boxing shorts a shout out on TV, please. <laughs>
4: no problem, I got you, I got you, boys. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll definitely be looking out for that because uh, we'll be uh, tuning in uh, once again. Uh, this uh, fight here between Austin Trout and Terrell Garcia will be on Fox Sports One uh, over in Biloxi, Mississippi. So you know, be on the lookout for that. We're going to you know mention it here once again while it's you know getting closer to the date of the fight. And you know, like Brother Terrell was saying, I mean you know get this a win here for us. You know, put you know get your name back in the you know contention out there in the super welterweight division. You said like I said, I mean things are wide open. We've you know had that fight with Hyman McGee against Dennis Hogan, where you know a lot of people felt that Hogan kind of like pulled that out.
4: Um That's a second fight. Charlotte was coming up. Yeah. Uh hold on. What what was that? I said that's probably the second fight in a row I see when lose. He lost to that, that hey. Japanese cat uh, to that Asian dude. Um but yeah, it's wide open. I plan on taking the whole game by storm, starting with Terrell Gauche. I mean, this is this is a new camp. It's a new day, it's a new life for Austin Trout. And unfortunately uh, for Gauche, He's gonna be the first person to, to to receive the fire I have within my bones, man.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. And you know we we're you know looking at this you know thing with the super uh, welterweight division. Um, you know I would like I did mention a the thing there with uh, the WBO champion and the situation there with the WBC. And you know a couple weeks before your matchup, uh, we're going to have. Uh, over in uh, Fairfax, Virginia, Jared Hurd going up against Julian J Rock Williams uh, there. So that's like another mm-hmm. fight in the super welterweight division that we're kind of like looking at. And you know, mm-hmm. like you you had you know you faced Jared Hurd before, and uh, we we also know about the history of uh, between you and uh, Julian J Rock Williams. So I know that you're gonna you know while you're still focused on your fight against. Um, God say you're going to have one eye on that particular fight between Hurd and Williams to kind of like see how you could slide into getting into oh, yes, you know, fighting one of those guys out there.
4: i would definitely watching uh, that. That's very interesting for me. True, true. Uh,
1: Mike, you, you had something there for uh, another question?
2: Yes. So, who do you think will win in that fight, and why? Who do you favor?
4: Um, I, I think her is gonna win. Well, um, I I favor her because he just he's just a big bad dude, man. And and it don't matter if he beating his last the whole nine rounds, that tenth round, he's still coming. And if, if you're not able to beat somebody for for twelve fifteen rounds condensed in twelve, you know. God bless you. But I know I know Williams is doing his work, and I know he did his homework. And, um, yeah, I know Julian Williams is going to bring it by. I don't see anybody but myself being uh, heard right now. Yeah, I said I'm going to beat her if we get the chance to fight again.
2: Mm.
4: Yeah.
2: So let me ask you this about her. So her seems to take a lot of punishment from the upper-level guys on his route to, like, beating guys up. Um, At some point, if the material gets used enough, it cannot keep its same Mm -hmm. form. So when do you think that will come into play to where him taking all these shots from you, from, you know, all these other high-level guys, when is it going to come to bite him? Because he can't keep taking shots and just walking through them.
4: I mean I, I think it's soon. I don't think it's, I don't think he's worn down yet. He's still young. And he's just he's just big too, you know. This dude's coming down for two hundred plus easy. But, you know, I think I don't know if he has he's not gonna have so much uh, leather on those tires if he keeps playing the way he does. But I, I don't I think I don't think he's worn out by May eleventh. I think he's still got a lot of tank left. But, you know, catch him by six rough fights. I mean Julian Williams is gonna take a lot out of them. I think I think you know this one's gonna take a lot out of him because Julian can crack. He's strong. But I don't think I don't think he's worn down enough that Julian's be able to crack through. Yep.
2: True.
1: Yeah, um, yeah the thing there with uh, you know J Rock Williams, um, you know, he kinda like has it to the um to, to a point where he, he's kind of going there and looking forward to try to go after Jared Hurd. But um, like you were saying, I mean, Jared Hurd just uh, goes in there and takes punishment and takes punishment until he breaks down his opponent. Um, but like mm-hmm. you said, it, it's going to be tough for him to, you know, kind of like be down to you know, where he's getting down in order to get to 154 pounds. Uh, you know, he's kind of like, you know, said here, uh, well, in the interview that he's you know been up there as far as like his weight is concerned, where he has to come down a significant amount of uh weight in order to make 154 pounds. So, um,
4: yeah.
1: you know, he, he if he's you know able to get through uh, this particular fight here against J Rock Williams, uh, that it means you're, you're gonna have to like say, hey, you know, once you uh defeat. Uh, Terrell Garcia, you go ahead and uh, call call him out. Say, hey, I want you again. I want that rematch, man. I- I'm ready. I'm ready. They run that you know back.
4: And, 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 you know, like to mention, I'm not making excuses. Jerry Hurd, was a tough SMB, and he did his thing, and I was broken down. I would love to have seen my performance, because it was great in the beginning, in, in the middle, and it just got bad at the end. But I'd love to see seen what my performance would have been like if I wasn't on a 17-month layoff. It's hard yeah. to come back after of 17 months in the fight. It came like, like, hurt. And then that's the plan, you know? I want to get, stay busy, keep fighting, get these fights out the way, start getting these things out the way, get hurt while I'm busy. And I guarantee it'll be a hundred percent different story, especially with this new camp. <laughs> especially with this new camp, it's going to be a problem for everybody. And I have no doubt. Yep. Pun
1: intended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, I mean, that's that's the thing that, you know, many, many of, uh, you know, your fans have seen is that you got like a lot of boxing skill and you've, you've showed that against, you know, all, all of your opponents here. So, you know, it's just a matter of uh, being able to, you know, catch a herd there at the right time and like say, okay, you know, being mm-hmm. able to be successful in, in your uh, strategy against Jared Hurd and, you know, kind of like discourage him to where he's not going to be able to do much of anything on the tail end of, you know, those fights, uh, you know, the uh, fight there against you.
4: Absolutely. it's going to be plenty of what the first six rounds started as. We're just going to do that for the whole 12, if if you could take it. My legs will be under me. My wind will be in me. And I would love for that fight again. It would be a great fight. The fans will love it. I want it. But, you know, I I, got to earn it. You know he's the king right now in this junior middleweight division. So and I don't mind earning it. Y'all know I'm I'm down to go do whatever I got to do to get back to where I need to be. Yep,
1: exactly, exactly. And once again, uh here with we're here with Austin Trout. He has his upcoming fight that'll be in Biloxi, Mississippi, on May 25th against Terrell Garcia. Uh, it'll be a ten round fight, and it will be televised live on Fox Sports One. So uh, y'all be uh, y'all make sure that y'all are able to check that out uh, there. And um, also, you can catch uh, you can follow him on uh, Facebook at Austin Trout, and also on Instagram uh, at No Doubt Trout. So uh, make sure you follow uh, him on uh, social media as well. So just wanted to get that in there. Uh, for the people. Thank you, um is there like, you know, anything else that you, you wanted to mention out here uh before you, you know, get back into preparation or your final final preparations against Gar
4: Oh yeah, also being look lookout for that move to welterweight. the way I'm making weight now with the discipline that I have, you know, I'm gonna shoot down a forty seven shot the game too. I'm taking on forty seven the middleweight I'm beating up everybody. That's the hit list for the next few years.
2: Are you serious about that?
4: I'm dead. I'm dead ass serious, man. Oh, wow. One mm-hmm. thing so you that junior middleweight, I used to be the big dude at junior middleweight. I ain't the case no more. And I look at, you know, like the, the barrel spreads. He's my size. If he can make 47, so can I. And, again, I've been making 54 easier in my age, old age, as they want to call it, than I did when I was, you know, 26, 27. And all it was was just a little discipline. Well, I've been adding a lot of discipline now. So the, the move to 47, if I'm strong, I, I've done the body scan, and it says I can move it helpfully. So, you know, if I'm still strong at 47, I dare I'm, I'm, I'm going through everybody.
1: Right, so there with that um, that uh, potential move to uh, forty seven, uh, you were just uh, mentioning it there, but you were saying that it's kind of you know easier to kind of like cut the weight uh, there. So is it you know being part of your um, training routine, or is there like anything with the diet that kind of like contributes to that? Hey,
4: yeah, it is the diet. I uh, you know I stopped eating meat outside of camp i wasn't eating any meat fish. that helps keep my weight you know at a good time and now that i'm in camp you know i, I need some of that protein every now and then um but it, yeah it's just the diet it's the timing of what you eat my man like a Rob he has this meal plan where it's broken down to the science he puts these certain things together that complement each other that burn each other off that helps you know helps you bring in water drop water but all the while still feeling strong, and like I said, all it took was a little more discipline. And so I'm, I'm implementing a lot of discipline. And with all the discipline, I'm, I'm gonna not only make 147, but make it feel strong, just like I'm making 54 and feeling strong.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. So, I mean, they, they have it there, folks. Austin, no doubt, Trout gonna be uh, fighting. May 25th, Biloxi, Mississippi, against Terrell Garcia. Getting right back into uh, the thickest things there in the super welterweight division, and may have future plans to go down to welterweight and contend there at welterweight. Uh, so, uh, thank you once again for coming on the Boxing the Source Radio Show. Uh, you know, like I said, been a long time fan of yours, you know, uh, for years, for years, and you know, uh, thank you for uh, coming in here uh, and calling into this show, my man.
4: Yeah,
1: thanks for having me, guys. Y'all yeah, have a good one. All right, you too, Mike. All right, uh, so we got like about a few more minutes left in the uh, uh, regular portion of the Boxing Source radio show. If you want to call in uh, before it goes into the overtime session, uh, go in at 347-237-5539. Uh, once again, 347-237-5539. Press one key to get on cue, and you'll be able to talk live on the show. Now, um, we had uh there Austin Trout uh, call in here uh, to, you know, uh, talk about his uh, fight coming up uh, there on May 25th uh, against Raul Garcia, And, you know, it kind of like broke down the whole thing with the uh, super wealth weight or uh, light middleweight division there. So, uh, like I said um, – You know, over the next couple of weeks, or within the next week or so, I will uh, break down the uh, fight coming up on May 11th in uh, Fairfax, Virginia, between uh, Jared Hurd and Julian J. Rock Williams for uh, the unified uh, titles at WBA and IBF uh, Super Welterweight titles. So uh, y'all be on the lookout for that particular uh, breakdown uh, here later on down the line. Uh, But uh, right now, just uh, stepping into the overtime session of the show, um, I did want to cover uh, one fight that did happen uh, yesterday, even though there really wasn't much to um, break down, and that is the WBA quote-unquote world lightweight title fight between Robert Easter Jr. and Francis Barthelme. Uh, You know, both of these guys are, you know, former champions, um, you know, Bartholomew uh you know did uh hold the IBF lightweight title at one point. Uh, you know, so did uh Robert Easter Junior. Um you know um but Easter Junior had been uh coming off his uh lawsuit, Mikey Garcia last year, uh, over at the stable center while uh Bartholomew did have um uh, one win here in this previous fight, but the fight before that, he had a very disappointing performance uh, in his rematch against Carl Relic. And uh, here in this uh, fight that was at uh, Las Vegas, it uh, just seemed like it was a uh, matchup to kind of see who'd be floating around there in the lightweight division uh, that had like an outside shot to uh, maybe uh, fight the IBF. Uh, champion there in Richard Comey or see what would happen in the, with the uh situation with the WBC as uh that title had been officially vacated by Mikey Garcia. Uh but uh with with these uh, two fighters here it, it just seemed like this was a uh an instance where uh, uh of a bad, bad, bad matchup. Uh there was no type of you know, sustain aggression from either fighter. Um, and that you you kind of like seeing people or both both fighters be very reluctant in throwing their power shots. Um, you know, Francis Bartholomew seemed like he was, you know, successful with his uh, left hand to the body on Robert E. Jr., but didn't gain confidence in that left hand and tried to, uh, you know, throw more of those shots to Robert e. Easter Jr. over the course of the fight. And on the flip side you had Robert e. Easter Jr. of course who, you know, kinda like fights as a long lanky fighter, but the problem is he was going against a long lanky fighter in this fight. So a lot of those things where he would be able to use a jab and kinda like use his reach uh to his advantage was not here in this particular fight. So it just seemed like a lot of posturing a lot of fainting between both fighters um and not much action to where uh either fighter landed a punch and uh it it was just uh something where the fight went 12 rounds um you know they did have like a few fans that seemed to be out there for Rancis Bartholomew, but it it ended up being a uh, split draw with one uh one judge giving the fight to Easter Another fight, giving giving it to Barthelomew, and one fight, uh, one judge, excuse me, giving it a 114-114 score, and the um, notable thing about this uh, fight was, according to the uh, punch stats, that neither fighter was able to land more than 10 punches in any round of the fight. And add that on top of the amount of punches that were thrown by both fighters was way below the average for, like, a lightweight fight. And so with it being a split draw, the the WBA title uh, still is, you know, vacant. Uh, they also did have the IBO uh, lightweight title on the line, so that's still vacant as well. So neither one of those guys uh, ended up winning the fight. Uh, Rancis Bartholomew seemed like he was very upset that he didn't get the decision, but I mean, for me, it just was a very uh, disappointing fight, and I kind of like made a point uh, on the uh, Boxing Source Twitter page of what that fight kind of like looked at, it, as far as uh, my my eyes were concerned, as far as like how would performances of both fighters. But I wanted to get feedback from uh, the callers in here. I'm going to start with Drill because uh, I think you did also have uh, something to say about the uh, results of this fight.
3: He, uh, there, there was a fight last night, Robert Easter and me that, that was a fight? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I mean, really, I mean, this, this, this is one of the more disappointing world title fights I've, I've seen in quite some time, Right. Now, usually usually it's like one guy that stinks up the place. Not both guys, right? And in all honesty, Robert Easter probably did enough to win the fight, although didn't it didn't go that way. But when you go back into the fight itself, or even even before the fight, so with, with Robert Easter Junior, uh he his last fight against uh Mike Garcia he was trained by uh Cunningham down here in Florida and everything. Uh, at that point, that was just a one-fight one deal. Uh, at that point, they broke up with Cunningham, went back to Ohio, and got back with his father has been the head trainer for him and everything. And even in the post-fight story, uh, Easter Jr. stated that he's going back to the basics, going back to the fundamentals, spacing, speed, power, stuff like that. Uh, it su- sounded good. That all sounded good. But in regards to what we actually, the, the product that we saw in the ring, uh, did not match up with those words not at all, right? Even even from and even looking across the corner at uh Bart you see who his, tra- his trainer is, which is uh, Joel Casamayor. Yeah, He was actually a, a, a good fighter, Olympic fighter I believe, and a good fighter, and also a former world title uh, holder I believe himself, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but even with Casamayor, Cuban, Cuban descent of course from Cuba from the Cuban School of Boxing, and as we talked about before uh, a few weeks ago, when, when uh, Porter fought Yugas, right, we looked at uh, these guys, they're, they're fast, they're, they get good feints, stuff like that, but they are severely lacking on the offensive style. And so you can look at Yugas now Bartholomew, look across to Rigendahl who's a beautiful boxer. It's boxing, we know that, but it's, it's not that much offense, right? And last night, uh... In this fight, there was no offense. No offense. And what was probably the most laughable thing upon the post-fight interview with Bartholomew that he won, right? And when Jim Gray pointed out to him the number of punches that he, he threw was actually less than Easter Jr., he, it, it, he was actually surprised. and no, no, that's, that's not He It's like he almost wanted to debate that. Like, dude, <laughs> we have, we have uh, punch stats live punch tests and that they, they compt punches. And he tried to say that uh Easter Jr.'s punches they hit the air. That's the only way he threw more, more punches than him. Which is uh, which is ridiculous. But when you look at the fights in the first round, that first round and I I was like, who in the hell won that round? Cause nobody did, nobody literally did nothing. It was literally a of just uh dancing around the wing, posturing, looking at each other. Yep. Uh Robert Easter Jr. throwing a couple of jabs here and there. Uh, and even some of those jabs were actually thrown in there without not even connecting. It was just a uh, just a just a little plotting jab like that. But I mean, th- I mean, this fight was so disappointing on all levels. I mean, like you stated, all Parkinmi did was land a small handful of uh, left hands to the body, uh, maybe four or five put the fight total uh, punches to the head on the right. studio. that. All he did was sit there and faint, 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 faint. faint. Shoulders, uh, little shoulders, a little showbone here and there, stuff like that, to try to get uh, Robert Easter Jr. out of out of character. And Robert Easter Jr. all he did was sit there and stood there right with his power stance, and said he he was fighting the softball, so he has to be careful. So, you know, if he mm-hmm. was me, I, I would have stepped on his foot and hit him.
1: <laughs> right.
3: <laughs> exactly. You know
0: because,
3: you know, but uh, this this was a horrible, horrible. Uh, title match and and you think about it, both these guys are coming off losses, and you got a title up for grabs. So you're gonna do what you gotta do to get that built I mean, like I so said, like we talked about, you go through a training camp, which t- which takes time, costs money on your body, on y- on your team, things like that, and you can finally get in the ring to to fight for the title, to be in that command position within that weight class, and miss the product that you deliver, and then have the audacity to say that the other men didn't do as much i mean at, le- at least Robert E. Chathune was was somewhat uh humble in the moment he he just said well the world, basically the judges saw it differently, that's how it is Nothing I can do about it and and they even mentioned the word rematch, we should run from a rematch no nobody's gonna no no <laughs> death will wanna will wanna televise that as a rematch. that was a horrible, horrible fight period,
4: yeah,
1: I mean that kind of like. That kind of like reminded some people of, you know, some of the, you know, mismatches and, and kind of like dull fights that, you know, some of, uh, some some of the boxing fans were kind of like saying that Showtime was putting up. And so, you know, with with that being said, you can't have like, um, you know, these these guys going up against each other and putting up this type of performance and then expect uh, people to kind of, like, say, hey, we want to see that again. No, that's not going to happen. Uh, so, you know, I mean, for me, it, it's kind of like you – we we really don't kind of, like, expect anything much from uh, either Robert Easter Jr. or Rance Bartholomew, you know, after this particular matchup. Uh, I mean, I, I said, like, right after the fight that, you know, this kind of, like, showed. Like, it was the Robert Easter Jr. that we saw against Javier Fortuna uh, last January over at the Barclays Center going up against the uh, Rancis Bartholomew uh, that fought Carl Relic in that rematch uh, that was, you know, back in uh, March of 2018 in San Antonio. And, you know, those two performances by both of those guys in those fights was very disappointing. Uh, particularly with uh, Bartholomew because, you know, a lot of people expected uh, Bartholomew to, you know, do a little bit better uh, in the rematch against Coral Relic, but certainly didn't. Uh, So, you know, here in in this uh, matchup uh, between Easter and Bartholomew, it just seemed like a combination of uh, those two performances uh, being in the ring there at the same time, and that just – just produce an absolute stinker of a fight uh there uh between those two and nothing that you know people will really be um kind of like demanding at any particular point um in the near future out there. So uh, you know, with with that being said, uh, that kind of like just says that um we we're not gonna see, you know, much out of um you know, either one of these fighters uh, being put into a matchup uh, really uh, very soon uh, there. So um, unless of, you know, they kind of like have a Robert Easter Jr. uh, out there somewhere um, being placed in another matchup. Because I think that, you know, with the connections that Robert Easter Jr. has uh, there within the uh, PBC banner, that they're kind of like going to, you know, put him in, in the room. Uh, some other uh guy there over in the lightweight division are uh, probably quicker uh than they do for um Francis Bartholomew. so that's what we kinda like see out of out of that particular fight and that uh, um, like I said, we're not gonna see much of a demand against uh, uh with uh, either one of those uh, fighters so uh that's what we had um in that uh showtime card.